For the first time in more than five and a half years, we finally tonight have a few new answers to a question that has loomed over Indiana and over the town of Delphi. Who killed Abby Williams and Living George? From the end of the bridge to you gotta go through. Now, I believe that the bodies were found about to born from a family's grief and determination. In April of 2020, Army soldier Vanessa Guillen went missing while stationed at one of the largest military installations. You hear that little music in the background that goes, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Right. Knew about it or was there. It's, he's as guilty as the person who committed Chilling the details in the arrest of a suspected serial killer caught before he could strike again. Him, they, they, they dropped the ball, man. Like, they said he went AWOL. Mm. And that uh, he was a deserter, and nobody went to look for him. Today is not a day to celebrate. But the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder. Like I said, we're going back. We were asked last time to kind of talk about the food, uh, the grub truck video, and kind of give our perspective of it. The, the, the press release from the police department indicated that they're still trying to put pieces together from that night. It, does that does that worry you in any at any point uh, or at any bit that they're still trying to put those pieces together? It's been over five weeks since little Kaylee Anthony vanished. Her mother, Casey, has been arrested for lying to police. She's being held without bail. Hey, greetings from the year three thousand. It still sucks. This is Phil J. Fry, and you're listening to. The Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like and subscribe. You know what to do, just like every other podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a special guest, Chronicles of Olivia. Olivia, And alongside with us is Big Blue. How are you doing tonight, Big Blue? Hi, Big Blue. Good tonight. Um, am I still muted? No, no, you're good. You're good. We hear you good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, I'm excited. We are too. We are too. You're uh, our first guest in a while. We've had guests on before. Um, I believe you're the first one that also uh, talks about true crime. Um, we'll be having a few more. We have one on Friday, but tonight we're with Olivia. Um, Olivia, for those that don't know about your channel, um, what is Chronicles of Olivia? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I started my YouTube channel about a year ago. I mostly um, have been on TikTok. So I actually started TikTok October, November of 2020. And that was kind of like the beginning of my um, journey with posting my video work. I've been editing videos since I was about 13 or 14 years old but I didn't post them really publicly until about two years ago. And then um, I started YouTube a year ago. That was after the Gabby Petito case. So during Gabby Petito, I was strictly on TikTok, but I was having so many issues with being banned and people just reporting my videos. Like even the most innocent video was being just flagged for no reason. And my account was just being constantly banned and my main tiktok page is 
completely shadow banned to the point where I don't even post on it anymore. I had to make a backup account. But um, yeah, my YouTube is pretty new. It's about a year old, but I have so much more freedom and I can express myself more, post longer videos rather than TikTok. Oh, for sure. Definitely. We've we've gotten on TikTok. Blue's been banned also for other reasons. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, but we've 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 put a couple of our videos out there. Uh, more people have put videos of us on on TikTok. It's it's kind of crazy sometimes when we open it and I see my face on somebody else's mm -hmm. channel. It's uh, yeah. it's flattering and it's also uh, still kind of yeah. new to me. Well, um, do one pole dance instruction video and you get banned. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Big Blue and his pole dancing instruction videos. And so you, you, you started on, you said you were, you, you started talking about the Pepito case where you, uh, when you got on TikTok and when you started your YouTube was true crime and uh, that your main focus or has your channel evolved kind of like ours? Cause we weren't a true crime channel to begin with. And that's kind of how we came about though. Yeah, well, I'm very similar to you guys because I know you guys have talked about like paranormal stuff. And I actually started doing that before the true crime. I even um, did a little mini documentary on the Bledsoe um, family. Um, mm -hmm. I've done some videos with them. And um, David Eckhart, he's an alien abductee. So that was before um, kind of, well, actually the Bledsoe's was recent, a few months ago. But um, before uh, Gabby, I worked with David Eckhart. So I was doing kind of paranormal stuff and people that go missing in national parks, which is, oh, yeah. it's a rabbit hole. I could literally do a whole series on that. It's pretty creepy. And then there is the whole discussion about wild men living in the woods and the whole Sasquatch theory. So I, um, not only do I do true crime, I do paranormal but i think that my new subscribers um are not aware of that and i'm afraid to almost post about it because i don't want people to be like oh i just followed you for true crime like what is this like right. but i think i'll just kind of ease people into like hey like i also do this so i have to figure that out yeah that we're, we're oh, go ahead Blue. i said that, that happened to us last week with our ufo video so you get used yeah. to it yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh, and, and it's unfortunate Hammond couldn't be here tonight. He's um moving in locations. He's uh he's on secret assignment so to speak. And mm -hmm. so um but he he's very familiar with the 411 and the missing 411 and, and oh, yeah. the people that go missing in national parks. Uh, I, I'm somewhat familiar with it. I, I know a few of the stories. Um that's something that we wanted to dive deep into, but as Blue said, we um we had that phone call with Kim and um after that you know it was it was aired People, a lot of folks were watching it live and she told me I'll, I'll tell you everything you know a little bit more off air and i said all right so she told me her story um, i needed to vet it make sure that she wasn't lying to me things of that nature and so i held off on putting in news about it but in the meantime we had gotten an article that russia had shot down a ufo and they were claiming to have proof or, or uh video proof of it and so we decided, you know, we hadn't done one of those in a while, so we threw it up. And we did get a lot of people in the comment section <laughs> saying things like, you're holding on to important information and you're talking about UFOs and like, yeah. <laughs> all this stuff. And uh, it, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but speaking of the Idaho case, uh, you, you recently did an interview with the Goncalves family. 
great documentary, great video. I caught it. I actually watched it a couple times. Some a lot of important information that comes out of it. Uh, how how did you get in contact with the family? Yeah. So um, uh, Steve actually he um, describes it in the um, documentary. It's interesting because when I asked him, so Steve, how did you um, find me and what made you contact me? Um, as we were doing the interview, that's when I learned all of that, um, mm -hmm. just right there on air. And I had um, no idea that he had gone through the list of all the people Kaylee was following on TikTok. And that was how he had found me. But when um, I've been to Idaho two times now, and on my second trip, um, I was in the car. I went with my um, friend Bullhorn Betty. We collaborate together. And um, I, we were driving, and I looked down at my phone, and my email popped up, and it said um, I had a phone number, and it had um, a little message on it. And um, it was something to the effect of um, give me a call or let's talk or something very short. It was like a few words. And I messaged one of the um, sisters of Kaylee, who I've spoken with a few times on Instagram. And I said, hey, is this your dad's number? And she was like, yeah, that's that's his number. So I knew this wasn't a troll or some random person pretending you know, to be Steve Gonzalez. And so then that's when it began. But um, yeah, he found me from her TikTok followers, like who she was following. And then Olivia also said in the interview that um, Kaylee had shared my true crime videos with her family because Kaylee really was into true crime. And that's something that's also very eerie to think that she really, really loved um, this subject. And um, Christy was telling me about, you know, all these cases that Kaylee loved, like the Delphi murders, like she was really into that. And she um, kept up with cases and the Gabby Petito case, which I believe is where she found me from. So, yeah. gotcha. And so, uh, y'all make the contact. Y'all set up the uh, the interview. Um, you know, what was? I'm sure it was heartbreaking. You know, given the fact that they were just going through something um, so yeah. horrendous. Uh, you know, you were able to get out some smiles and happiness out of them talking mm -hmm. about Kaylee. Um, you know, that was an amazing job by yourself in doing that and relaxing them and going down that that route. Um, but did you find, you know, I'm, I'm sure our listeners who have seen it probably already know the answer to this question. But did you find out anything new about the case that you didn't know about while talking to him? Um, yeah, gosh, I have to like, it's funny because I <laughs> sometimes I forget the stuff that I edit and put together. Um, right. the, the part where they talked about vetting Jack, I had known about that. Um, the trying to think, oh, all the memories that they talked about that mm -hmm. I, um, was new to me. Um, and then when they talked about, so when they discussed the morning of the mm -hmm. 13th, um, that was news to me in terms of how many hours it took for them to actually finally know, okay, what happened. So I didn't know that they had hours and hours of panic. I thought, like most of us thought they got a phone call from PD or someone and said, this is what happened. But no, it was, they received phone calls from um, 
friends or just like just random people. And then, you know, hours of panic and then PD eventually got around. So that was new to me. That must have been horrible. I just can't even imagine just those hours. Like I can't even imagine sitting for 20 minutes thinking like, oh my gosh, like did this happen to our daughter? But hours going by is torture, absolute torture. Yeah I, could, yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, being aware of something and then hearing rumors uh, that aren't confirmed uh, of something tragic happening. You know, phone calls aren't going through, things of that nature, as they describe. It's it's heart wrenching, to be honest. And, uh, you know, our prayers are for them and, and their continued fight for justice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that that documentary that your interviews with them was prior to the arrest. Yeah, Brian Koberger, right? Mm-hmm. There was actually a lot of stuff I had to take out of that. It was a much longer, longer interview, but we kept 45 minutes. Got you. No, understood. Understood. I've had, well, my interviews with Kim, we've um, um, talked for about like 40 minutes, maybe yeah. 35 minutes on the show. And then I had two conversations since then with her. Um, one was two hours, one was an hour. Um, I, I know I gave you her phone number. Um, mm-hmm. so did you make contact with her? Yes, I did. And I actually spoke with her for a while. And she also gave me the same story that she had told you. I personally think she's telling the truth. She's the real deal. I don't mm-hmm. think she's lying about what her you know, daughter told her and what she knows about what happened that morning. Um, so, yeah. And She's also told me other interesting information about a hazing that happened um, several months ago at Wazoo and just other things that um, are pretty interesting, but crazy, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I found her to be very credible. I, you know, yeah. a lot of folks I, I came out on the Pascal show. Shout out to him and shout out to the viewers who are, are from the Pascal show. Uh, you know, it came out on his show and he'd asked me a couple of questions that, and when he asked me was like, do you believe her? And I said, I believe that she believes this. Um, I believe that she, this is what her daughter told her and, um, and that she has some concerns and that some that are very valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the biggest one was the fact that in my opinion was that the rumor spread so fast through that little town, which is not something that's not common. I mean, you, you were there. Is it like a small knit community type of place? Yeah, it's a small town. Um, definitely, I would say pretty knit together. And um, the house is so close to Greek Row. And just, you know, I feel like it. I'm not surprised at all that news spread fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and especially if you know there's so many there's the scene that's described you know that's now coming out i'm not sure if you read the air airmail article um, is that the long one that seemed almost kind of like a novel yeah, yeah. i yeah. haven't read all of it i read like two pages but i haven't finished it yeah i went through it and i i cut out as much as the, the fat as i could so to speak the guy who wrote it is an author and so he wrote it like a short story and put a lot of stuff okay. that, 
really doesn't pertain to the case. Mm-hmm. Like, he got into some specific details of the officers about hunting and, you know, things that happened years earlier, and it just didn't really make a difference. And I put it, I made it down to about 12 pages. <laughs> it's still, still quite wow. big, but it was about 12 pages. However, he describes, they, they described the scene when the officer walks in that the smell of blood was so strong. Yeah, I that, remember that part. That as soon as they opened the door, it was like a rush of it. Um, how do you, what are your thoughts on two people being in that house for such a long time with that smell going on? Um, here's a the situation with the roommates. Cause I, I, I don't want to, I'm very careful when I talk about them right. because you know, we don't, at the end of the day, we have no idea what happened. We're just kind of, theorizing and that could be very hurtful you know in the end and stuff but um i guess what i will say is it is it does feel suspicious um just especially after finding out um you know when kim was the first person to really make us kind of look in like um she was the first one to really um talk about the morning and how hours before 11 58 when the 911 call was made that people were aware of the details of what happened. So that in a way is um, a bit concerning because if that's the case, then why was, um, you know, police not called if, but again, we don't know if they saw the the victims or if the doors were locked or there's so many unanswered questions it's kind of like this hazy fog and we're trying to make sense of it but Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense that if they did see you know the carnage why 911 wasn't called and perhaps maybe one theory is an illegal illegal substances which she had mentioned could possibly have been involved and it was a cleanup but at the same time how long does it take to clean up, you know, you can flush things down the toilet if you right. have a bunch of illegal substances that you need to get rid of. It doesn't take several hours. Right. So there's a lot of questions and we may never find out. No, you're absolutely right. You know, that that, that is a huge question mark. And, you know, as far as the time difference, uh, things of that nature, uh, you know, a lot of people point like, you know, it's just a little bit of drugs, but you saw how those kids acted when cops showed up for a loud noise complaint because they had alcohol. Mm-hmm. They panicked. They freaked out. They didn't want to open the door. They stayed yeah. inside. Things of that nature. Um, you know, if there was some kind of drugs inside the house, things like that, I can kind of see how they would panic and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's just one of those situations where the gravity of the situation is so big. You know, I'm pretty positive, um, you know, you have to put that to the side, you know, and and, and call the police. Now, and I've said this a few times, there's not much that would have changed had Dylan made the phone call at 420 in the morning. Uh, Based on the description of the scene, the the victims had passed. There was was no saving them. And so... um, I don't want to know what it changed. A little bit closer to you, the mic, Blue. You're a little bit far away. I said one thing that, that, that might change, you know, because if all these people came over, 
that's the defenses um, has a a claim that they contaminated the crime scene. So that's one thing that changed by her calling the people over. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and the police describe it um, in that article as when they pulled up that there was a few people outside already there gathered there. And so that adds to some validity to to Kim's claim that there was people there and that those folks yeah. were spreading the rumors around. Um, Brian Koberger gets arrested. You were in that town. You spent time in, in Moscow. You actually went to Pullman. Uh, did did anybody have an idea of some uh, of who may have done it? Were there rumors speculating through town uh, pointing at a certain direction? Um, when I talked to locals, I would say um, that I think people were suspecting that it was a student, a, a college student. That is the kind of the, the common theme that I was getting. Um, but something very interesting was the first trip that um, we took, um, I took a video, it's on my YouTube, where I was in front of the Washington State University sign. And I just made this, this was on like December, this was like maybe 10 days before, this December 3rd or December 2nd. And I was like, guys, what if it's possible that perhaps the perpetrator goes to a different university than University of Idaho? Like, what if they go to this one right here behind me? And it turns out that, you know, he was going to that university so it's just eerie to think that he was probably less than a mile away from me at that moment i was making that video talking about what if they're here but um i think people believed or thought that it was a college student um mm -hmm. and yeah just that's kind of the the feeling i got um, but people were a, a bit tight-lipped I tried to talk to some of the frat boys at Sigma Chi, and they would say, out of respect for the families, we don't want to speak. Hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I understand, like, what they're saying, but it's also really not helping the families because some do want to know, or, like, they want, overall, people want to know or wanted to know if there was anything that they knew, you know, about that night and stuff since Sigma Chi is right across the street literally from the home right right uh, olivia were you able to visit the home like the outside of it and see the presence of like uh, a lot of reporters or were there like yeah. security um yeah i was there every day and um there there's always at first that it was um like police office, like there would be a police car. And then eventually they had like a private security. Uh, the way they worded it was weird, but um, they always have someone there on the property 24 seven. There's not a single hour or minute when there's not anyone there. I mean, I haven't been there in like three weeks, so I don't know what's going on now, but I assume it's the same thing. Um, so and yeah, media, I saw Brian Enton out there and other even other reporters that we recognize from the Gabby Petito case. So there's always people out there, media, for sure. So when you're driving up to the residence, uh, was this a house that you kind of had to know where it was at? Or was it something that you could see passing by? It was, you know, it seemed like it was a pretty close area that folks that drove into that area were either lived in the apartment complex or in those houses. And that's basically it. There's no, is there a means of passing by in front of the house just to pass by or you have to turn around? No. And get out of there? 
So this is the part that's interesting. Technically, it's like a cul-de-sac. Um, and it's not like there's like a big main road that goes right by the house and hundreds of people see it every day. No. But another thing, though, is that if you're on Greek Row, you can see the house from from afar in the distance. It's pretty noticeable. I mean, from really far away. I mean, someone could probably be standing really far away. I mean, maybe half a mile or more out and you can still see the house at night. You can see the light. So someone could literally have been blocks and blocks away looking in the distance and could see mm. if people were home or not. So it's kind of like 50-50, yes. It's not a busy street. It's literally like, it's an awkward street kind of how it is. It, it is like a cul-de-sac essentially, but it's also something that can be seen from afar. So, gotcha. yeah. That's that's crazy because, you know, there was some speculation that maybe perhaps it was a vehicle that was traveling near where that Greek grows, where Sigma Chi, that street that Sigma Chi is on and how you could still see from that distance, the house. It's, I mean, yeah. it's just so sad that, that this had occurred. Um, did you, um, when you were out there talking to the locals, you said that a lot of them were tight lipped. Um, is did that was that um, did that get tighter as the case continued? Did you find that people weren't so willing or open to talk to media or creators um, as you were out there? Yeah, I think that people were just scared because that was before Brian was um, arrested. So, you know, it was more scary because no one knew who it was. It could be anybody walking on the street or whoever. So um, people were definitely tight lipped. But then some people were like, I talked to Jeremy. He was the one um, student who went viral because he had one interview with a news reporter and everyone thought, oh, the neighbor, Jeremy, he yeah. seems like this, like he did, he's the murderer. Like I interviewed him and he was very transparent and really, very nice. And um, he was really open to talking with us. It was, I could just see in his face, like he was sad or like scared or a little bit, just like, I just felt bad what he was going through. And he had a post on Reddit and, you know, say guys like literally stop, like he was being, cyber bullied and people were messaging his grandmother and like harassing his family and stuff. So, um, but he was, I talked to him, he was pretty open, but yeah, that's a small so, so were you there during the, uh, the SWAT issue that happened at WSU were you uh, in, in that town? The SWAT? No, 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 no. Yeah. Cause I left January 2nd. So I was not there for that. Um, that is a very interesting situation because when Brian was with his father in Indiana and he was pulled over, he talked about the shooting and just, it's interesting, you know, I wonder why did he bring that up? Right, right. So you left before that incident had occurred? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay, was, okay. Yeah, I was just kind of curious yeah. if anybody knew about that and, and what their stories were on him. Uh, <clears throat> what about you, Big Blue? Do you have any questions? Um, yeah, I had one good question, but uh, my computer might kick me out because it's doing a glitch. But if you can still hear me, yes, uh, she yeah. 
and <laughs> the oh, feds no. got him. <laughs> yeah, he he's had some internet issues here here and recently. Uh, so going out there and seeing the area and looking at the house, uh, did you get a feel from that or an idea of where perhaps? somebody would have entered. I know that there was a screen down in the back. Mm-hmm. I know that um, there was some stools that were barricading the back glass door. I'm not sure who put those there. I highly doubt yeah. it was the police. And, I was and wondering about that too, like why those stools were like that. I couldn't figure it out. See, see here's the thing about the stools. The It's speculated that that's the exit point, right? Uh, there's pictures where you can see um, stools of the same set along the back wall there. If uh, if the assailant ran out that direction, he could have shed hair, sweat, blood mm-hmm. on those stools. So those would not have been used to barricade the or secure the scene there uh, by police. So that had to have been secured prior to their arrival. And I find that concerning. Oh, I'm just starting to think um well i can't say it now but my next video is about um something it's about a phone call that um the gonzalez received that morning from someone who talked about maddie and murphy um an incident that happened with them in the backyard but i can't i'm not gonna say it until the video drops but um it now that you brought up the whole you know, stools almost like barricading the door. It makes sense now. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that right now. But, um, you know, it's, I personally, yeah, I, so I, I, I always had a feeling that it was the back door. Actually, no, because no. So seeing the home at night, sorry, my brain is like all over the place. Sorry. That's um, okay. Sorry. But my, um, seeing it at night, was a completely different perspective and now the lights are kind of changed but when i was there it was about two or three weeks in so they hadn't touched any of the lights like they were left on precisely how they were found that morning Mm -hmm. and there were lights even in maddie's room like these kind of amber colored like trinkle lights like kind of like um not like christmas lights but ones that you, like led lights mm-hmm. she had these like orange amber ones in her room and downstairs the the whole sliding glass door area was lit up like super bright and i remember thinking like hmm i think it's less likely the perpetrator went through the glass door because it's so bright like it's like a christmas tree back there like it's lit up like a lot so i was thinking maybe through the window he went through but then in the affidavit, um, Dylan said he went through the sliding glass door. So that's where he went out. But yeah. yeah, yeah. She stated that she was staying in that one room where um, the the bedroom window with the screen is off at. And so that was her mm-hmm. bedroom, I believe. And I believe that was the bedroom that she was in where she had seen uh, Brian. Big Blue, you're back. We uh, missed your question. You You got knocked yeah. out right as you were about yeah. to ask it. What was the your feds, question? man, the feds, you know, you can't ask questions before the feds kick you out. No, my question was before they found that Brian Kohlberger was the, the suspect and they arrested him, there was a GoFundMe going around for the Gonzalez family to be able to private, hire a private investigator. 
my question was, have you spoken to him to see if he's still going to hire that private investigator um, to see what happened or he's going to see what the court finds first? Um, so um, he does have, um, they have a private investigator. Okay. So that's already, which they should, honestly, like that's what I would do too. And, and that's not a bad thing, you know, um, a private investigator out there, they, when it comes to a case and a PI comes into it for police officers, they, the PI is technically has, uh, should have some sort of law enforcement training and or uh, experience. So <clears throat> they know the boundaries and where they can go and where they can't go, what they can ask, what they can't, things of that nature. Now, of course, I'm sure there's some bending and, you know, uh, asking anyways, but for the most part, PIs, uh, they're, they're fluent with the procedures of the enforcement, the law enforcement, and then can continue yeah. to move forward. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's not, it, it's not something that the police look down upon. I'll put it mm -hmm. that way. Um, what do you call it? So have you seen the, the new release of the, uh, um, the, what is it? The, the unsealed search warrant? Yes, uh, it was the 50 page one, right? Yeah. It was yeah. A long, uh, I was going to um, print that out, actually, and look at it. But um, yeah, I haven't really gone through it in depth. But I did see I made a video about the um, items that were found, which is, right. you know, he's toast. If the DNA comes back that it's one of the, the victims, his right. defense team... No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we think the same um, that if, you know, one of these hairs or one of these red stains comes back as DNA from one of the victims. Yeah, he's gone. Now, majority of this is just stuff that w that's already been told. In fact, the entire probable cause affidavit is put in there. Yeah. And so that's like uh, however many 19 pages on its own. And so the stuff that wasn't that was taken out i'll be honest i thought there would have been a little bit more uh looking at this you have one black glove this is a nitrate type glove it's a uh it's basically the uh surgical style gloves um i don't understand why that's i mean is there blood on it you know what i'm saying is there something that's on there that makes it relevant he, he was seen wearing gloves cleaning his car and stuff like that so uh, I'm not sure if that's relevant to the case. The Walmart receipt for and a Dickies tag and two Marshall receipts, just meaning that he probably bought some clothes. That's not indicative of a of a, a situation. Now, the dust container from the Bristol Power Force vacuum. If he vacuumed his vehicle with that, like his his Elantra, that could hold a lot of good evidence. So that's a good one. The uh, I don't understand what the fire stick would have on it. The fire TV stick mm -hmm. that would be prevalent, but it's in there. Uh, they have eight possible hair strands. I'm assuming uh, that those given in order that they're in may have came out of that Brussels power force vacuum. And then they have a series of other hair strands that are separated, which tells me that they found them in different locations. And one of them being a uh, animal hair strand. That comes back uh, to Murphy's, and he's he's toast too. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, There's one thing I wanted to say about those gloves, though. So say um, they took it in evidence. Maybe 
if it has a little bit of blood on it, they can match it to one of the victims. But also, it's a good source of way to get DNA. I mean, when I wear those gloves for more than 20 minutes doing a procedure with the, with the physicians I work, I take them off and they're soaked and drenched with my sweat from them being so hot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's probably a good source for DNA for them to be able to swab it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they would have and they should have at this point uh, enough yeah. evidence to take his take a swab out of him or, or draw his blood. Um, the computer tower, that one, and it goes into why they were searching for it or why they want it. They are trying to put pieces together that he stalked them virtually or or electronically, digitally, whether it was through Instagram as the reports of him sliding into DMs and they were in the message request. It sounds like Facebook or Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if he tried to contact them through there, they're looking for um, if he was looking at the layouts of the house, things of that nature, possible GPS directions and, and those type of things. But one here, it says A, which is it's weird. I don't understand why it's 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 now it's labeled ABC as mm-hmm. if it was like a subcategory of 12, which is the computer tower, which doesn't make sense. But it says A1 collection of dark red spot collected without testing. It's super vague as to what Crazy. the dark red spot was on. <laughs> um, two cuttings from an uncased pillow with reddish brown stain. So. Yeah, it is pretty vague. One thing I do have to, well, I wanted to mention about the vacuum. I um, interviewed the woman who lives downstairs, mm-hmm. uh, um, downstairs of his apartment. And she said that literally randomly at five or six or four in the morning, he would just start vacuuming. Like this mm. was a normal thing for him to do, which is just very random. Don't know why he yeah. would do that at four or five in the morning, but this was going on for months. So almost seems kind of like a compulsion. Yeah. It's like OCD. They're yeah. OCD. I wake up and they have to clean their house because they think it's dirty, even though they cleaned it the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like that, or you use on drugs. Some people, when they're on drugs and they're moving around, that cleaning yeah. is not something that is not uncommon uh, with uh, with that. Let's see. And then it says two top and bottom mattress cover packaged separately, both labeled C, multiple stains, one tested. So, like, like that sounds like he wet the bed because it is on both sides. Like, the, mm-hmm. the pillow thing... I mean, the only thing I can think of is what they're trying to say here is that he went directly from committing this crime. Like if those are those red stains and those stains are are, are blood or, or or whatever from the victims, then he just went home and laid down still covered in it. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. Like he this is the vibe that I've always gotten from. Brian is that he's aloof or just the fact that he has this PhD or is getting a PhD and is a criminology graduate, you would think that he would try and it's like, he thinks he's smart, but at the same time, he does like dumb things. Like the sheath situation is kind of strange, like leaving that, you know, and, and then now with this list and it tells about the, the blood on the bed, you'd think he would try and get rid of that. It's just, unless he really thought he was never going to get caught and no one was going to go into the apartment. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, the only other issue I have with it, if if, if that being the case, you know, there's not a murder weapon on here. You know, I, I would have assumed that. And then again, he, he took a lot of trips out of town. I think he went and his phone was turned off several times while he was outside of um, Pullman. I think at one point he went to Johnson, Idaho. His phone was off for some amount of time. There's so many rumors of where he possibly or mm -hmm. thoughts of where he could have discarded that uh, that uh, item. There also isn't any anything there that talks about man's clothing that were covered in red stains or any of those type of things. So that leads me to believe that those things were disposed somewhere else. Um, you know, yeah, it's a it's a rural country. So who knows where he could it could be mm -hmm. at. Um, or, you, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Hugo. And I was going to say, or, you know, if Kim's story is more accurate, that there was more than one person in that house, uh, it's possible that he didn't get, he was just a, a, a party to, and maybe didn't contribute to the actual slaying, so to speak. Because, um, man, there should be a lot of DNA in that car. Uh, I don't care how clean you put you, you get in there. And I know Blue says that there's some chemicals that are out there that will help get it out. But the way they describe this scene, it, it, I, I find it almost impossible for something not to be in the seats and the, in the armrest anywhere along the along the side of that car. So if they got the guy, um, which I think they have more evidence than they're saying, you know. Yeah, I, if, I believe that, too. You know, you look at the probable cause affidavit, page 15, says that uh, he connected to a cell tower in Moscow on the 14th. However, they don't believe he was there on the 14th. Well, in my opinion, if they're that confident that he wasn't there, it's one or two reasons. They have him on video somewhere else or they were watching him. And if they were watching him as early as the 14th, there must have been some big clue. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy. It's very complex. And another thing I wanted to ask you guys is what do you think about Brian's father flying out to Washington and driving all the way back to Pennsylvania with his 28-year-old son? What do you guys think about that? From, from what I heard is that that was pre-planned. I think there was an um, something that was put out there by the mom who went on social media and said something about her son traveling across and that he'll be back for Thanksgiving at her husband or for the Christmas vacation. Cause her husband's going to go down there and ask for some stuff. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's the middle of December. There's a lot of ice and stuff. You know, he's in the Northern part of the uh, United States. His family may have been worried about him to, to drive alone, but that shows that he's not, a very uh, independent person in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. And so it it's makes weird. It, yeah, it, it is. It's weird. And if he's not an independent person, then like he may not have done this independently either. Big Blue, what do you think about that? What do you what are your thoughts on him traveling? Well, I think, uh, having uh, his dad do I have two, two theories on that. Sorry, my dogs and the neighbors dog are barking. No, that's all right. Yeah. Good. Um one theory is that a lot of families like to take trips like that as a bonding moment between, you know, father and son, you know, driving across country. It's a fun trip for them. 
Um, because I'm pretty sure if you look if you look at his records, you'd see when he purchased that ticket and maybe purchased it ahead of time if he's a smart consumer because the prices are way too expensive to buy them last minute. And then mm-hmm. the last thing is maybe he does have a fear of flying and the dad had to go get him. So that shows a little bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. I think he did a lot of things. I think this was very much pre-planned. I mean, you're looking at the fact that he had his license plates changing that month. He had um, a physical that he had scheduled with a doctor that week after the incident. Um, He maintained his haircut appointments. Um, You know, he tried to do things that were um, not something that you would expect for somebody that committed this crime. You know, there's you usually expect a change in pattern of of what they're doing, like perhaps not going to school, not teaching, uh, skipping the 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 appointments, things of that nature. And, and he would have had a, a logical explanation. Somebody kids just got, you know, unalive. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, he continued in that fashion. I think that I think he planned this out from a while ago. Um, he, he, he was only there, I believe since June, late June. And so, you know, how he made contact with them or, um, um, you know, started following them. This is crazy. It seems like he found them on Instagram or on social media and was, was trying to talk with them. We have a uh, super chat. Thank you so much, Jeff. We appreciate you. $5 super chat. He said, did Brian's dad really ask the neighbor of Brian's to be Brian's friend? Makes me think Brian and Edward's is was Edward Scissorhands of something. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard that, that um, one of the neighbors that came out and asked, he had asked him, would you be friends with my son? Um, it seems like he was somebody who had trouble connecting to people, socially awkward. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we, has anybody, uh, friends of his or anything, made contact with you uh, since? No, with Brian's? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Uh, I'd be shocked if right. I've, I've, I will actually, I, I mean, I've interviewed people that knew him like in the past, but not right. that are currently friends. Um, I spoke with someone who went to high school with him, um, but they had reason to stop being his friend because of the way that he treated them. And he just didn't seem like a good person just from what I'd heard and what, he had told me and yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke to one of his friends from high school as well. She was his friend. She and another friend of hers were close friends of his up until the time he started using. And at that point, it seems like there was a change in, in his behavior, a change in a lot of different things. And, and they, they ended that friendly relationship with him. Um, you know, she had mentioned he was that they were shocked by this. They, they didn't expect somebody of, of that and they didn't expect somebody that they, they knew would be capable of doing something like this. Let's yeah. see. Um, let me go through. I thought I saw a question here. Yeah. I did. So, yeah, his dad was there on a previous plan. It was already arranged. And so but, but the fact that he had to go and help him and drive him across town or across the country is is a big question mark. Um, I mean, he didn't seem to have any problems driving through the mountains and, and whatnot. 
yeah. the days after following the, the situation based on the pings he was traveling all through there. Um, what do you call it? Um, did you um, <laughs> did you see a lot of white Elantras while you were out there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a, such a common car, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I was just kind of eerie to see so many. Yeah, we we did a uh, I went through Google Earth and went through so many different like university parking lots and things of that nature to see if, you know, there was a white launcher once that came out. And sure enough, uh, we found like six or seven in the area just from using Google Earth. We couldn't mm -hmm. imagine how many were going to be there. It is a very common car. Um, what did you get a sense of the uh, as far as the confidence in the Moscow Police Department from the locals? Did they feel that the uh, the police department was competent enough to handle a case uh, of this magnitude, given their inexperience with this type of situations? I didn't really talk to a whole lot of locals in terms of what they thought about um, North uh, about the um, police department, but um, you know. I just from the beginning, like the way that they were acting, just being very, you could almost now looking back now that we know what we know, what we know now, it makes sense. Like they knew the whole time, like they had their person. That's why they seemed so chill. And, and, um, and Chief Fry, like, he just seems like his personality is like, a, he seems like a chill guy. Like, I can't imagine him ever getting mad. I don't know. He just seems really laid back. But um, I think, well, in terms of locals, I didn't really ask them. I mean, I've heard things like negative things, like just like no experience or that, you know, they don't have the resources and things like that. Yes, I've heard, but mm -hmm. yeah. Got you, got you. We have one more super chat. This is from Jeff H. Another $5 super chat. Thank you, sir. He goes, Olivia, do you edit all your videos? I'm a video editor and think your editing is really good. Adobe well, that's a nice compliment, Jeff. I um, edit all my videos myself. I've been doing this since I was a teenager. Um, and I am not an Adobe Premiere. I want to learn how to use that because movie makers now, like most of these Netflix movies, they're being made in Adobe Premiere. I use Final Cut Pro. So I'm actually going to transfer like this month or next month to a different program because it's time to amp things up here. <laughs> well, we, I find them very entertaining. I thought that your interview of the Gonsalves was was very well put together. It was um, it had its you know moments of happiness when you they talk about their you know their lives and celebration and mm -hmm. and it also had a realness to it as far as you know what the situation was. Did uh, talking with them. You know, I know this was before the, the, um, you know, the arrest. Yeah. Was their confidence shaken of the police department at any point? Definitely. And I completely understand it. If I was in their position, I would too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would. It just seemed like they were wanting some more information that they were giving and they were being left in the dark and they didn't appreciate that as well. And I can imagine, I can't imagine what they're going through. I, I should change that, but I, I can understand how frustrating it is to have something like this happen and weeks, a month, 
month and a half go by without some kind of news or or breaking the case, so to speak. Um, you know, you talked about them vetting Jack and and Jack was a guy who who got a lot of heat. You know, he he JD the, the ex boyfriend. Yeah, he did. Uh, um, you know, we looked at the possibility, and, and I think it's not wrong to look at that possibility because in so many cases, that's is exactly where it ends up. But the police were strong about him not being involved and other people not being involved. And, and you know, at the end of the day, sometimes we got to trust our law enforcement and what they're doing and that they understand and know more than what we do. Um, I yeah. think they did a, a, a fantastic job up to this point. Um, I, I think there's some holes in some of these, you know, some questions in the probable cause affidavit, even in the search warrant. But I think there's a lot more than they have uh, that they're not saying, and they don't need to disclose that. That's not mm-hmm. something that needs to be disclosed. Um, you know, we're getting close to an hour. So um, do you have any questions for us? Um, I mean, oh, so when did you guys start your YouTube channel? So we started. Yeah. Yeah, we started. No, it's okay. We started the YouTube show probably around June. Nice. And um, we started. The first show was about Bob Lazar, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, we started UFOs. And then we didn't hit true crime until the first week of December. And you know, we were asked to do a true crime show, um, Mm -hmm. and we went in there. We knocked out the uh, Richard Allen had just gotten arrested in Delphi, so we started looking at the probable cause affidavit of that case and breaking that down. And we started getting a lot of. a lot of compliments on it and people telling us to move in this direction. Yeah. Um, I had talked to the guys like, man, do y'all think we need to change the name of the show if we're going to be doing more um, <laughs> true crime? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's who we are. So we've yeah, decided to, I think to keep it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good name. For sure. For sure. E-Money yeah. comes in with another $5 super chat. Says maybe visual snow made it difficult to take long drive and his dad had to be there with him. You know, that, that's a possibility that it was a... Um, a medical situation as far as that goes. He did talk about those things. And then we have a um, $10 super chat. Thank you so much, Ira. We appreciate you. Uh, so do you have any other questions for us? No, um, I, you guys do a great job. And I like the way that you guys, you know, like interview. It's really chill and comfortable. Yeah, yeah we try to make things... Um, like we're not trying to we, we what we try to do is just make things uh smooth, comfortable, yeah. uh, relaxed setting and just kind of um you know have a conversation at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um are you going to be um, I know you spoke with Kim and you had some things, you know, come out from her. Are you gonna be uh putting anything with her or any of the comments that she made? Yeah, I have something I'm putting together. Um, I'm going to give you credit in the beginning because she was the you were you guys were the first ones that she called into. Um, so, but, yeah, I'm putting something together. There's a lot that I have to kind of cut through because um, we yeah. talked a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I I believe her and mm-hmm. you vetted her and I did some vetting, too. And I've heard from um, other people that there were phone calls like this one girl that I talked to who goes to um, to U of Idaho and she heard like one of her friends got a phone call from early in the morning. So it's yeah. not like Kim is just making this up. Like there's other people saying the same thing. So she's, she's not lying. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah, 100%. She's telling the truth. No, I agree. 
And so I'm glad you were able to talk to her and also give that um, that secondary uh, boast of confidence because I didn't want to put her information out there. And so, you know, I had seen some comments and things of that nature on other shows saying they, they didn't believe her or or maybe it was a setup phone call. Yeah, people yeah, always have something to say. What's that, Big Blue? About that. I wanted to bring something up about that. First, I want to apologize. My internet is just horrible today. And then the second thing was um, the other day we put out the story about Kim and how the story went along. And it, and it happened. What we said happened. You know, the as the story went through the channels, it changed. So there's a couple of rumors going on around there. We did not spread those rumors. So if y'all watch our show to catch the real truth, because the rumor now is that, uh, you know, Dylan called her mom and the roommate. So it's like, yeah, we saw that. There was a um, there was a there's a Facebook discussion going on, and people are saying that Dylan, instead of like calling sorority friends, they misunderstood what we had said. That um, they said that there was a caller on a show that said Dylan called her mom, and I was like, no, no that's not what we said. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- and that's kind of what we had said as well. Um, as far as you know, when you hear a story and it's it's told from one person to the next and then to a next, the further it gets away, sometimes there could be some exaggerated parts. So you may not be hearing everything as true as it could be, but that doesn't mean that there are some true parts to that story. And so, yeah, we had to just kind of dig into those the the story and try to figure out, all right, what what could be exaggerated? What is the the truth behind it? And, and and run with that because we had three hour conversation with her and it, it ended up with like a 40 minute video. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of information that we know um, that's that's still not in there. And as things get cleared up, if um, if those things were to populate, then we're going to come out and say, hey, you know, from that conversation, this is, you know, we knew about this information. Yeah. Um, we got a five dollar super chat for better Internet service for Big Blue. Okay. Be going to the big blue fund. <laughs> uh, well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on. Could you, you. tell everybody um, where they can find you? And uh, we tagged your um, YouTube show in the comment section. So mm-hmm. everybody, please go give her a subscribe. Uh, but other than YouTube, we'll let, let everybody know where they can find you on YouTube and all your social platforms. Yeah. So Chronicles of Olivia on um, Twitter, Instagram, uh TikTok and YouTube is where you can find me. It's pretty simple. But thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. And it was it was a pleasure. So, thank you. We yeah. appreciate you. Hopefully uh, we can do it again um, and work together in the future. Um, yeah, sure. Normally we do drink. So today I couldn't <laughs> work. So next time. Yeah. <laughs> next time. Yeah. Well, keep up the good work, guys. Appreciate it. Big Blue got kicked out again. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> For everybody, I'm Daniel. Big Blue's in and out. This is Olivia from Chronicles of Olivia. Please follow her. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great night. Bye. Good night. Now, sometimes this takes a minute to end. <laughs>